Okay, so what we've got today is uh, um, my inordinate love of cheesy Christian movies. I love bad Christian movies. I'm just going to call them bad because they're not great, right? They're made in some church basement somewhere. Um, and, uh, and so we just kind of acknowledge what they are. And there is one movie that I particularly love called Time Changers. Uh, Scott reminded me of it. I've seen it many times. Oh, you've seen it as well. It's a fun little movie, um, and it's, uh, the acting is, you know, they acted in it. Um, but what I love about this movie is the concept. This concept is that this guy from like the 1800s is, is forced forward into time into our day. And there's one scene in the movie that I find to be particularly hilarious. And I think it actually kind of uh, segues well into uh, to our scripture today, which is Deuteronomy 27 and 28. So you can kind of find that in your Bibles. It's page 1. No, it's not page 1. It's page 168 and 169 if you want to go to where I am. <clears throat> But let's show that clip now. See if I've got it here. Here we go. Okay, you don't have to laugh. I thought it was funny. And, uh, and it entertained me. It just entertained me. It's so funny. And they got, like, the teenager to play the perfect, like, deadpan face, didn't they? Uh, so the, the scene is this guy, is, you know, he's never seen a movie before, and he's in this movie theater, and then he hears somebody, you know, take the name of the Lord in vain or to use a, a, it in a curse word, and he freaks out and comes running out. And it, I just thought that was so funny because, man, I don't even think I notice when people swear in movies anymore. Like, I don't even, I don't even think I notice it. We, we, we are uh, so used to that kind of thing. Um, <clears throat> what's interesting is that we have these words. We have swear words, we have cuss words, cursing, all these. <clears throat> to us, that just means profanity. It's just to say something that is dirty or derogatory. And so we use it, it's comedic. But if you say, God, this, you know what word goes there, right? It's church, I can't say it. You are calling down, in actuality, what those words mean are you are calling down God's wrath upon an object, a person, place, or thing. Like that is to curse, that is to cuss, that is to swear. To us, it doesn't have any baggage like that to it. So it doesn't matter to us, we don't think about it like that. But that's what those words originally meant. 
that's what they were about. That was what they were used for. And so we have this text in the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not take the, the name of the Lord thy God in vain. And then that following line, God will not hold you guiltless if you take God's name in vain. Which is to use God's name in a way that is inappropriate is to profane God and to call upon judgment of yourself. I mean, it's really intense to curse or to cuss that in that way, which is why he acted that way in the movie. But <clears throat> again, for us, it's just profanity. It doesn't have any meaning beyond that. In the same way, <clears throat> in the same way we have the word bless in our language. Sometimes I'll, be, I'll go out to dinner with someone here, and somebody will say, Preacher, bless the food. I don't think anybody really means that. Like, you just mean, say something nice to God because we want to eat, right? The idea of blessing something. I'm, are you really asking me to call down the power and grace of God upon the pizza we are about to partake of? Like, that's what you're asking in a blessing. I mean, that's what those words mean. But again, for us, they're just sort of words we use willy-nilly. They don't have any deep theological, scriptural intensity or meaning, but that is what those words mean. That's what they stand for, which means that when we enter the text today, when we get into Deuteronomy 27 and 28, it's hard for us to even make sense of what's happening because we cuss so freely, or we hear it and it doesn't bother us. And because we word, use the word bless, like bless her heart, which means she was probably doing something really stupid and you just kind of are saying something nice about her or him. Bless her heart. We said that in Tennessee all the time. Either, either that or we just insulted. Like if you say something bad about somebody, like, yeah, she's a real idiot. Bless her heart. Like you could, that's how you kind of covered over the fact that you were just mean. And so because we have the word curse or cuss, because we have the word bless and they have no meaning theologically to us, these words, these words that we're going to find today, but I really want to hammer home to you how important the word to curse is and how important the word to bless is. In the Old Testament, we see these images of, of Abraham and then later on Jacob and then later on uh, Isaac. Strike that, reverse it laying their hands upon their children and blessing them, saying, God give you this. And it was, remember the intensity that Jacob and Esau had? You, might, you know, I might, might not remember the story, but there were these two twins. One was the older and one was the younger. And the younger uh, kind of snagged the birthright, the bigger portion of the inheritance. And Esau wasn't too worried about that. But what he was worried about was about how the younger son snagged the blessing. Because the calling down of, of the power and grace of God upon his life was of such more importance than money that that he tore his clothes over and wept over. To curse and to bless are a big, big deal. And we've lost that. We've lost that in our humanistic, mechanistic, scientific society. We've lost sight of these things. But today I want to try to recover it. So as we look at the Bible, as we look at Deuteronomy 27 and 28, we run into, again, the last words of Moses. Moses is beginning to, he's going to pass, he's going to pass on, he's going to die. 
And he asked them to do something for me. He says, remember me. And the way I want you to remember me is that when you get into the land of Canaan, we talked about this last week, we want you to build a monument and, and put all of the laws on the monument. And I want you to build an altar on Mount Ebla, Abal, sorry, uh, Mount Abal. And then the next thing I want you to do is I want you to, to separate the peoples. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, we're going to talk about the separation of of the peoples. If you look at Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 2, I like this line, and I want to start off with this verse before we enter into the other verses. 28, verse 2 says this, And all of the blessings, all of these blessings, shall come upon you and overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Yeah, think about that. The, the Hebrew, I had to look this word up. The Hebrew word is, is the same thing as if somebody was chasing after you to tackle you. Like, the blessings are going to chase after you, and they're going to tackle you. Man, I'd love to be tackled by a blessing. That's, that's a good, I love that. I love that. A part of these whole, all, all of these texts, though, is this, is this idea of blessing and cursing. And we're going to act this out a little bit, kind of Sunday school style. This morning. And so I, I need some of you guys, uh, this side, you are Mount, in fact, I think I have a little picture of it for you. Yeah, so here we go. These are the things that Moses is going to ask them. First, he's going to say, I want you to divide the people onto two separate mountains, Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebel. The Levites are going to pass through the middle shouting curses. So this is our middle. Our Levites are going to pass through here shouting curses. And then there's going to be a shout of blessing from Mount Gerizim, and there's going to be a shout of curses from Mount Ebal. So here's a picture for you. This is sort of modern, obviously, with houses and whatnot. So here you have Mount Gerizim. So the people would line up, half of the Israelites would line up over here or stand over here, and half of the Israelites would would stand over here, and the Levites would pass over here. And this actually creates kind of a nice amphitheater, like your ability for the voices to carry is actually very good, which is why they... You know why Moses chose this spot. And so we're going to act that out here today. Okay? You guys act like you fall asleep. Like, do I have to do like the VBS? Everybody shout, you know? Attitude check. Anybody remember those? Okay, all right. Somebody. Paul, you can be my cheerleader section. Thank you. All right. So you all are Mount Gerizim. So you need to stand up because you can't curse or bless anybody sitting down. And you need to face Mount Ebal. Mount Ebal, you cursed people, you. Stand up and face, face Mount Gerizim. And I need my Levites. There's Levite 1. Did I hand the mics out? Here. Levites have the green mic. Now there's a key part in this, and that is when the Levites cry out the curses... All of the people shout, amen, right? So you're, they have mics, so we're not asking them to shout. Y'all don't have mics, so you get to shout, which is also VBS style, right? (laughs) Camp style, whatever you want to call it. All right, so here we go. Imagine yourself 3,000 years ago, standing on these mountains. You have now entered the promised land. Moses is gone. You have taken... Into, you've been brought into this land of pizza and cookie bars. God has pr- fulfilled 
all of his promises. And now he is saying to you this, if you will heed my voice and follow my words, my commands, you follow my ways, this is what will happen. If you don't, this is what happened. And think about the intensity of these words, to curse and to bless. All right, Levites, go. Cursed is anyone who makes an idol a thing detestable to the Lord, the work of skilled hands, and sets it up in secret. Then all the people shall say, Amen. Amen. Cursed is anyone who dishonors their father and or mother. Then all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is anyone who moves their neighbor's boundary stone. Then all the people shall say, Cursed is anyone who leads the blind astray on the road. Then all the people will say, Amen. Cursed is anyone who withholds justice from the foreigner, the fatherless, or the widow. Then all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is he who lies with his father's wife because he has uncovered his father's skirt. And all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is he who lies with an animal, sister, daughter of a father, or mother, mother-in-law, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is he who accepts a bribe to strike down an innocent person, and to all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is he who does not conform to the words of the law by doing them, and all the people shall say, So the Levites pass through the middle of the people shouting these curses. And you've accepted now by saying amen isn't just to say, hey, the prayer's over with. Now we can eat the pizza, right? To say amen is to say, verily, or it will be. You, you have now agreed to this. And some of those are easy to agree with, I hope. <laughs> some of them are not as easy to agree with. But either way, you have taken on the responsibility of the covenant to agree with them. And if you do this, right, the covenant, we have the blessings from Mount Gerizim. And normally, you know, we would have all of you shout at once, but I thought that that would just be too much noise. And so we have one representative from the mountain here to shout the blessings. And after that, all the people will say amen. And then a representative here to shout the curses. So make eye contact with the other side. You are hearing the blessings and you are hearing the curses. Go ahead, Dan. Take it away. Or, no, yes. no, no. You're the you're you're the blessings. You're the curse. Was it? Well, you have to switch sides then. So you'd be on the wrong mountains. Blessings, curses. And if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all His commandments that I command you today. The Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the field. Blessed shall you be, shall be the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your ground and the fruit of your cattle, the increase of your herds and the young of your flock. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will establish you as a people holy to himself, as he has sworn to you, if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. And all of God's people said, Amen. Now the curses. 
But if you will not obey the voice of the Lord your God, or be careful to do all his commandments and his statutes that I command you today, then all these curses shall come upon you and overtake you. Cursed shall be you, cursed shall be in the city, and cursed shall be you in the field. Cursed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Cursed shall be the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your ground, and an increase of your herds and the young of your flock. Cursed shall be when you come in, and cursed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will send on you curses, confusion, and frustration in all that you undertake to do until you are destroyed and perish quickly on account of the evil of your deeds because you have forsaken me. The Lord will make the pestilence stick to you until he has consumed you off the land that you are entering to take possession of it. The Lord will strike you with wasting disease and with fever, inflammation and fiery heat, and the drought with a blight and with mildew. They shall pursue you until you perish. And the heavens over your head shall be bronze, and the earth under, your, under you shall be iron. The Lord will make the rain of your land powder. From heaven dust shall come down onto you until you are destroyed. And all the people said, Amen. All right, you can take a seat. Thanks. To all of you guys, that was a lot of scripture. You can kind of imagine being on that mountain. You can imagine these blessings. You can imagine these curses echoing forward, especially as you, uh, as you need the land. That is very significant. I'm going to make the sky bronze and the ground iron because a bronze sky gives no rain and an iron ground gives no food. The intensity of these words, if you follow me and keep my commands, I will bless you. If, you. if you remove yourself from my commands, you ignore my commands, I will lay upon you pestilence and fire and mildew. <laughs> All of these things that eat and destroy. And one of the mistakes that we make when we read this text is we think of our, ourselves, what we can do is we can is we can individualize this and think of, uh, of ourselves as, as being in a reciprocal relationship with God. That like, if I'm a good boy or girl, God will give me something nice. I had this thought, this memory this morning. Just thinking about this text of being in elementary school. It was early elementary school, something maybe third, you know, second, third grade, something like that. And one of the aides who helped in the recess time, said to me, Jordan, if you stay out of trouble for two weeks, I will buy you a king-size Butterfinger bar. And I was good. Guess how long? (laughs) I got my Butterfinger bar. Uh, I remember that well. And I don't remember if I ended up going right back to the ways of the Rapscallion, but I'm sure it didn't take long. 
The point is not that God has got a relationship with the people that like, hey, if, you do, if you're a good little boy or girl, I'll give you candy bar at the end of the week. But rather, it is to say to be in the presence of God is to be in the presence of blessing. That if you're in the presence of God, abundance just flows. One of the mistakes we make also when we use this text or read these texts is we tend to individualize them. And you do this often when you read scripture. We read the Bible, we say, what does this say for me today? And so what people will say, some ministers, some preachers, some authors will say, well, what we have clearly here is that God wants everyone to be healthy and wealthy, but that is not what is happening. This blessing is being given to the entire land. The land that God is giving the people will be a land of abundance. But there will be some people that fall on hard times, which is why there are laws about what to do in the situation of somebody who is needing a loan or a widow or a sojourner or somebody who, who you know, is so poor they, they can't feed themselves. You leave the edges of the field. You don't go over your vineyard a second time. All of these things we've talked about. This is sort of a, a summary sermon. If you guys, um, if, if there's a guest here today and you're kind of not following along, we've been talking about this book for a long time, nearly 27 weeks now. And so what's happening here is God is declaring to the whole people, I will bless this land. This land will be a land of abundance. And when you come into the hard times, because some of you will, you will have all sorts of neighbors who are living in abundance that you can lean on until it is your turn again to experience that abundance. And so rather than begin with the how does this apply to me, we have to imagine how it applies to all of them, and then as an individual Israelite, you might apply the text to you. But we are in a time that is different. Because of Jesus, something new has happened in world history. Something new has happened in terms of the difference between the Christian today and the Jew 3,000 years ago. Even as we read these blessings and curses, many of these things are still sins, obviously. And many of these things are still blessings. But, but we don't experience the covenant that we have in God in the same way. In fact, it seems in some ways that these things are, are very, very different. I think about the rich young ruler. Remember that story? You all know that story if you're... If, you're, if you've gone to Bible school or, or VBS or something, you know you've heard this story before. Maybe if you're new here, you haven't heard it, but I'll retell it quickly. Jesus is, is out and about, and a man comes to him, and we know him as a rich, young. Is there anything better than that? Like, doesn't everybody in this room want to be rich and young? But you all are liars. You're straight up lying to me. He's like, some of you guys got a little smirk on your face. I know what that means. Raise your hand, right? Wave it around. I know the truth. Rich and young, baby. That's how we like it. That's what we want. Rich, young, and a ruler. Wow. That's perfect. Can you ask for anything more than that, right? Everyone listens to you. Everyone looks at you. And you have just this... In fact, it seems as though to be a rich young ruler is to like walk out of the blessings that you just read to us. That's exactly what, what Jesus or what God said in Deuteronomy that he would give to them. And the rich young ruler comes to Jesus, and you know, you, some of you know the story anyway. What does he say? Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, Well, you keep the commandments. You, you know the law, things we've been talking about for the past 27 weeks. Do that. And he says, I've done it. And I, I love this because there's a sense in which this rich, young ruler has a perspective that wealth and power bring. 
that so many of us who hunger after wealth and power, or at least are, are hungering to, to have that, don't get. But he's got this, and he says, isn't there more? Isn't that underneath everything he's asking? Isn't there more than wealth and beauty? I have these things, and isn't there more? And Jesus looks at him, and the text tells us that, and it doesn't, we don't always get emotions out of Jesus, but in this text we get an emotion. It says Jesus looked at him, and Jesus loved him. Loved him. Because he's on the right track. Yes, there is more. There is more. And he says, one thing do you lack? And the rich young ruler says, what is it? That's what I'm here for. And you know the answer, Right? Go and sell all your possessions, and then follow me, which is to give up. I mean, he can't give up being young, like, but give up your rich and give up your ruler, and then you will have what? Who knows? What's he say? Treasures in heaven. And the rich young ruler leaves. We don't know exactly what happens after that other than it just says he leaves and he was heartbroken because he had great wealth. That to get at the more that he was hungry for cost him too much. And that's interesting because it seems as though in this story Jesus is contradicting what Dan just read. He's contradicting the blessings that we were just promised as the people of God. So how do these two things fit? Because they don't seem to fit in at all. In fact, Jesus uh, turns and he says to the, the disciples who are standing there, he looks at his disciples and he says, oh, how difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples are amazed. They're shocked. They might even be horrified at his words. Why? Because we just heard the blessing if you're, if you're God's friend, then you get all of the cool stuff. You get to be young and rich and powerful. That's a blessing. And Jesus says again to them, and this time it's interesting that he leaves off the whole wealth thing. He just says, children. So bring my daughter in close. And I say, little girl, I have something to say to you. Children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. If you've ever seen a needle and a camel, you know these two things do not fit together than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Well, that seems to contradict everything we just saw in the blessings and the curses. Well, what do we do with that text? I mean, you just kind of feel the wheels turning, the, the tension building. And Jesus says this, well, Peter says this. Peter says, we've left everything for you. We, we, we've, we've done what the rich young ruler would not do. We've done it. And Jesus says this, truly I say to you, that no one who has left houses or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel will not receive hundredfold. And this is important. In this time, right now, Houses and brothers and sisters and mother and children and lands and persecutions. And in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last. And the last will be first. 
You see, the problem that Israel was having in the time of Jesus, and the problem that some Christians have even now in the time of right now, (laughs) is that they thought, they began to believe that the point was the blessings. To receive the blessing and to steer clear of the curses. Like, that was the point. And so when the disciples see somebody who is blind, they ask the question, why is this guy blind? Why is he cursed? Did he sin or did his parents sin? And Jesus says, you've missed the, how have you missed the point? You've missed the point. The point is not the blessing. The point is God's presence. That in the presence of God, overflowing from God then is this wholeness. And if what you're seeking after is the blessing, you're seeking after the surface stuff. You're seeking after the easy things. You're seeking after the worldly things. You're seeking after the things that pass away. Because what is it, my friends, to heal this body? Because no matter how often I go to the doctor and receive healing, no matter how often Benny Hinn knocks me over with his powerful spirit jacket of power, This Jordan is dying and cannot be saved. There's this great story. There's this great story where the disciples are sent out into the world. They're sent out to preach the gospel. And they're given this power to to heal and to take care of. And and, and they, they come back to Jesus and they say, Jesus, even the demons obey us. I mean, I mean, that'd be cool, right? Like you're casting out, you're like, bam, bam. And I, that's exactly, I would totally do it like that too. Like, bam, demon leaves Ben Leonard. Because we were making eye contact right then. So you got And Jesus says, don't worry about that stuff. What you should be rejoicing in is that your name is written in heaven. We rejoice after the wrong stuff. We get pumped about the wrong things. We get excited about the wrong kind of things. How does Jesus say this? What is Jesus after with this? How is it possible that they are going to have, they, they leave all their stuff behind, and then here they're given a hundredfold. How does this manifest itself? It manifests itself in this way. The apostles always had someone to, somewhere to lay their head. They always had people around them who loved them and cared for them like a mother, a father, a sister, a brother, a cousin. They always had little children running around their feet. Why? Because look around this room. This is what God is building. He's building a people. A people who love and care for one another. A people who call themselves, as Paul talked about earlier, family who are connected by so much more than blood. We are connected by the spirit of the living God. It makes always there is a place where Jordan's head to rest. Because if my home burns down, I'm camping in your couch. And I'm sorry, Esri's going to tear your house up. She's a little monster. Isn't she a little monster? Yes. She's going to tear your house up. But we're coming over because we belong to one another. So the disciples, they leave everything to follow Jesus, and yet they've left nothing behind at all. And because they have left everything behind, their eyes are now open to something bigger, something more beautiful, something more eternal. Because however great your house is, it's ashes and dust. No matter how great your car is, it's rust and oil. No matter how great your bank account is, it will drain one day. All of this, all of this, all of this is passing away. The only thing that will last forever 
is that which we have done for God in his glory. Everything else is ashes and dust. And that rich young ruler failed to see it. Or when his eyes were open to it, he saw the cost was so great he couldn't pay it. And that's why Jesus says these things. He says it's so hard to enter the kingdom of God. Well, it is so hard to enter the kingdom of God. It is because it means that everything has to end up on the cross. Which isn't to mean, isn't to say that you're going to have nothing. You're going to have all kinds of things, but it's not going to look like what you think it looks like. The problem today is that so many people are after blessings when what you should be after is God. God is the thing that we're pursuing. God is the person who we love. God is the glory of all of this. And of course, in the presence of God is all these other things. But the problem is all those other things become our focus. They they become nothing at all. They become idols. When we lose our sight, which is to focus on God. He is all, which is why the psalmist can say, the one thing I have looked for is to dwell in your presence. The one thing I desire is to look upon your face. The blessings and the curses, they are an outpouring of our presence with God. But they are not the telos, they are not the goal. And so when we ask the question, how does Deuteronomy 20, 27 and 28 fit inside of the life of the Christian in 2018... We begin to see that this, is, this was always the blessing the Israelites were supposed to be pursuing. But instead they began to build empires of their own rather than pursuing this kind of vision. The blessings of God might look at uh, or might look uh, differently than you would think. They might look like people being saved because you spoke the word of God to them. Because you cared enough about them that you warned them of the fires of hell and you and you, and, you, and, you, and you shared with them the love of Jesus. It might look like hungry bellies f- satiated because God uses you to fill them. It might look like Christians caring for one another, not because we are the same family or because we're the same stratus or because we live next to you, but because we love one another. It might look like the world be offend- being offended at us and hating us and persecuting us because our loyalty is to God and to God alone. There's a verse that has been with me um, off and on since I was young. Um, Camp, I think, probably brought it into my mind. Uh, But it was this, this verse here. Pull it up. Yeah, John, 1 John 2, 15 through 17. says this. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away, along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. The point of these blessings and these curses and what I take from them as I read them, not only do I look at God's faithfulness to his people and I say, man, God is so faithful, and I can lean on that today. Like there's an eternality that God is always faithful to his promises. 
not only do I look at the goodness of God and the presence of God, but as I think about my life as a Christian, I take greatness from these blessings and curses, remembering that to be in the presence of God is to pursue those things that are eternal, and those eternal things, those blessings can come along with it. And I take serious these curses. I mean, you read those curses, the, the fire and the pestilence and the handing over to the enemy and the, the uh, mildew, <laughs> and the sickness and the blight, all of these things. These are glimpses of eternality. That in God there is eternal bliss, and without God there is hellfire and there is damnation. They used to preach that a long time ago. But my friends, heaven is still real, and hell is still real. And you are offered today a choice. Just like Israel, ancient Israel was offered a choice. If you don't want anything to do with God, then fine, walk away. But if you are going to follow God, recognize that to follow him means that you must keep covenant. And if you do, God is with you. If you don't, God is against you. If you don't follow God, God is against you. And so there's a message that comes from the scriptures. It comes from Paul. Again and again has been echoing through the centuries. Who will you serve? Who will be your Lord? Who will be your master? Who will you seek and pursue today, tomorrow, for the rest of your life? Will it be God? Or will it be something else? And I warn you that everything else is ashes and dust. And the only thing that is worth pursuing at all is the living God. And that as you pursue the living God, that all the other things fall into place and God's people come around you as you, ODCC, as I've seen you come around each other and around me, around so many others to love, to support. Who will you seek today? Let's stand as we sing this last song. If you have a decision to make, we'll have our elders down front. They would love to pray with you, talk with you, cry with you, whatever it is that you need to make your next step in following Jesus. Please come forward and make that choice today.